Welcome to the Life Fellowship Ministries International Broadcast. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. Uh, so good to have you here this morning. Uh, before I really get into my message, I, I want to just mention a couple of things that most of us probably spent some time on Friday, Good Friday, reflecting on Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, that he died for all of our sins so that we could come into this relationship with God that was broken in the garden when Adam and Eve disobeyed and they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Jesus paid the ransom, paid it all for us so that we could come and be restored back in this relationship. But not only did Jesus die for all of our sins, but he rose on the third day. Amen. And that's what we're here to celebrate today, the resurrection of Christ. And if you think about it, no other religious leader that uh, has lived or been worshipped or even worshipped today has risen from the grave. Only Jesus. So he proved that he not only conquered sin, but he conquered death as well. And last year when, uh, when I taught, I really felt impressed that the Lord wanted me to kind of teach two different teachings, one last year and then this would be part B for this year. And uh, if you want to go back and review the sermon from last week, you can go to the website that's specifically for Kima Sunrise. It's Kima Sunrise, S-O-N, Rise, KimaSunrise.com, and you can review the message. But because this is kind of... Uh, tagged on to last year's i want to just give you the three points from last year and it was true love requires sacrifice i talked about the reason last year why did, what is the reason that we celebrate the resurrection of christ and the three points were true love requires sacrifice the sacrifice of jesus was sufficient to cover all of our sins and that god's abundant love is available to all of us every moment of every day and going back to the three points, true love requires sacrifice. If you're married, you know that it requires sacrifice. If you have children or grandchildren, true love requires sacrifice. And, and we know that the sacrifice of Jesus was all sufficient for, to cover all of our sins. And that he's available to us 24-7. His love is present and available to us when we just reach out to him. These are some of the reasons that we celebrate the resurrection of Christ. So part two is this year. Last year is why do we celebrate the resurrection of Christ? And this year, I want to challenge all of us. What is our response? What is our response to what he's done for us? We can invite Jesus into our lives, and hopefully we have. We can receive forgiveness for all of our sins when we do that. We can walk in freedom from addictions and unhealthy lifestyles. Jesus said in John, in the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 10, he said, The thief, enemy, Satan, has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you would have abundant life. And I know that sometimes when you hear abundant life talked about from a pastor or church, people automatically start thinking about money. Well, there's a lot more to this abundant life than our material possessions and money. 
Jesus came that we would have the abundant life. We're going to live with him in heaven for those of us who have accepted Christ. But he's come that we would walk in the fullness of what he came for today. And Paul writes in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, he says, these are the gifts of the Holy Spirit, or this is, these are the fruit. This is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. These are the benefits of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I don't see anything that really correlates to money there, but Jesus said that we can live the abundant life. Do you ever need peace? Do you ever need some self-control? Do you ever drive down I-45? <laughs> You know, so we can walk in the fullness that Jesus came to give us. So the first step is that we come into this personal, real, intimate relationship with Christ. And then what's next? Well, we can develop that relationship. We can continue to, to press into him and yield to him. We can find a good Bible-based, Christ-centered church that we can be taught and trained and equipped, discipled and released to go out and make more disciples. And then we can also maintain this, this relationship that we have with him. So there's a lifelong process of where God is developing us, but he's also, we're maintaining this connection with him. Have you ever been in the cycle where you're hot for God and then cold for God, or you know people that are, are wavering in their relationship? And so as we develop in him, as we grow in him, we solidify this relationship with him, maintaining that relationship. So if you're taking notes today, I have three points. They're very simple. My first point is keep it real. Jesus came for a real relationship with us. The church should be the most loving and gracious place in the world. Unfortunately, sometimes that's not what some of us have experienced. Maybe you're here today and you say, man, I've really been hurt by people in the church. I've been hurt by the pastor. I've been hurt by other Christians. I have too. The most painful hurts and wounds that I've suffered have been through pastors, other pastors and other Christians and even in the church. But you know what? I've, I've chosen to forgive those people. And that's what we should do because, you know, even though I've been betrayed by other, other people, I have to look at my own life. I've hurt people too. Maybe not even knowing that I hurt someone by the things that I said. I'm thankful for my wife. A lot of times she'll say, you know, that was not very kind what you just said. <laughs> and sometimes the Holy Spirit's convicting me. That wasn't representing, that wasn't representing me very well, the way you handled that situation. And so there should be grace in our lives, that we extend grace to one another. And, and even though we may have been hurt by people in the church, listen, I've had a bad steak, but I'm not going to quit eating steak. I've been to some bad restaurants, but I'm not going to stop eating out because of one experience or two experiences. And I'm certainly not going to turn my back on the Lord because of what some knucklehead has done or because I've been let down by someone. My first point this morning is keep it real. Jesus came to keep it real. Can we keep it real with him? Jesus didn't give his life 
so that we could perform better. Let me say that again. Jesus didn't give his life so that we could perform better. Jesus came to transform our lives. As we yield to him and we say, Lord God, I'm making room for you. Would you push out that old stuff? Would you make me new? I love Romans 12 too. Romans 12 too says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Don't fall into the traps that the world lays in front of us. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God, allow God, yield to God, ask God, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. And so as we come into this relationship with the Lord, he begins to change the way that we're thinking. And then our hearts begin to change because he's doing a transformation in our hearts and in our lives. I no longer want to stop at Specs on Friday and pick up a fifth of whiskey or do some of the things that I used to do. Not because I have religion, but because I have this relationship this transforming relationship where God is transforming my life. He's changing the way I think about things. That's not healthy for me. That's not healthy for my marriage. That's not healthy for my relationship. And God begins to do this internal work inside of us. Jesus is saying, keep it real. It's okay. I can handle your mess. I can handle your stuff. Have you ever been pressured to perform, to wear the right clothes, to say the right things. Oh, I know this is the right thing to say. It's really not in my heart, but I'm going to say it because I know it's the right thing to say and I'm being pressured. Are you pressured to have the coolest toys? Listen, Jesus is not looking at the externals. He's looking at our heart. Have you ever been dishonest with yourself or someone else? Hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm good, man. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. And you walk away and you're going, I'm really not good. I'm dying inside. I'm really hurting. I wish there was somebody that I could be honest with that wouldn't judge me, that would be able to understand what I'm going through. But I know if I'm honest and tell this person, they're not going to understand. They're going to judge me. They're going to walk away. But we can all put up a front or put on a mask. But we can keep it real with Jesus. Others may reject us. Jesus won't. He can handle our mess. He can handle our messed up lives. I, one of the songs that, that we sing is, Jesus came to fix my broken life. All of us have areas of brokenness. All of us are being healed. It's this dynamic transformation process that Jesus wants to do in our heart and in our lives. Jesus kept it real. I want to look at a couple of examples of that. In Luke chapter 7, Jesus was invited to dinner uh, by a religious leader, a Pharisee named Simon. And while he was there, there was an immoral woman that was there, and she kissed Jesus' feet, and she wiped his feet with her tears and, and the perfume that she had poured upon him. 
And this religious leader was thinking, if Jesus was really a prophet, if he was really who he says he is, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She is a sinner. But what's really cool is Jesus read his thoughts. Jesus understood what he was thinking. And, and in Luke chapter 7, verse 40 through 50, then Jesus answered his thoughts. He said, Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him the story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other. But neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. So then he asked Simon, who do you suppose loved him more after that? And this word, this Greek word for love means having great affection for, or, or great care for, or loyalty towards. He says, who do you suppose had greater affection or cared more for or had greater loyalty toward the man after that? And Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. And Jesus said, that's right. Then Jesus turns to the woman, yet he's talking to the man, Simon, and he says, Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust off my feet. That was the common culture there, that either they would, uh, the, usually the lowest servant in the house would wash the feet of the guest. It was honoring. They, they walked in streets with animals, dusty, dirty. And so it was an honor to have someone wash your feet or at least give you something where you could clean your feet. And I think also it was for sanitary reasons. You're walking on these roads with all this dust and animals have been doing their business there and it, it can be pretty messy. And so Jesus is saying, you didn't even offer me water to wash the dust off my feet. But she, this woman, has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she's not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. And then Jesus says, I tell you, her sins are many, but they've been forgiven. So she has shown me great love. Whenever Jesus was, was telling a story or giving an example, there was always a spiritual implication to that. There was always a spiritual lesson there. There was always a practical lesson there too. And so Jesus has just said, he's talked about these men that owed him 500 pieces of silver and this other one that owned him, owed him 50. And he's trying to make a point here. He's saying, look, this woman knows that she was a sinner. And she's receiving my grace and mercy. And you're haughty. You think you don't need any grace and mercy. But he says, but a person who's forgiven little shows only a little. Those that think that they don't need any grace or mercy. And then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said, 
to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Jesus was okay with reality, with people's messes. Because he, he cares for people. He cares for you. He cares for me. He can handle our mess. So my first point is keep it real. My second point is keep it simple. Jesus didn't come to make things difficult and try to make it hard to come into this relationship with him. It was really simple. In Matthew chapter 12, verses 9 through 15, Jesus went over to the synagogue and there he noticed a man with a deformed hand. The Pharisees asked Jesus, does the law permit a person to work by healing on the Sabbath? I don't know that they really said it like that. But they, they're trying to get him to say yes so that they could bring charges against him. And Jesus answered, if you had a sheep that fell into a well on the Sabbath, wouldn't you work to pull it out? Of course you would. Because they had added hundreds of laws to the Ten Commandments. Even if you stuck a pin on your lapel, oh, no, you can't do that. That's work. And they're saying, is it okay to heal someone on the Sabbath? And Jesus is saying, well, if you had an ox or a sheep that fell in a ditch, would you pull it out? Jesus goes on to say, and how much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Yes, the law permits a person to do good on the Sabbath. And then he said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored just like the other one. The next verse says, then the Pharisees rejoiced and said, praise God. Actually, that's not what it says. That's what I would hope it would say. That's what I think it should say. But then the Pharisees called a meeting to plot how to kill Jesus. Because he'd healed somebody on the Sabbath. Jesus had a real problem with the religious leaders, the people that were supposed to be leading the people by example. Because they had the laws, they had all the rules and regulations, but their heart was far from God. They honored religion and tradition more than God. Listen, there's, there's nothing really wrong with tradition. We have a turkey on Thanksgiving. You know, some of you will, will have some chocolate bunnies today. When they go on sale half price next week, I'll probably go buy a couple and eat them. There's, there's nothing wrong with tradition, but have we put tradition and religion ahead of God in this relationship that he desires to have with us? They were making it more difficult for people just to come into this relationship with the Lord. So my first point is keep it real. My second point is keep it simple. My third point is keep it. Keep it. Are we keeping this relationship with Jesus? Actually, there's a part two to the third point. Keep it and share it. Do we have this relationship with the Lord and are we fostering, are we placing ourselves in an environment where we can continue to grow in him. James says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, especially as you see the time of the Lord drawing near. And so going to church is important. Find a good Bible-based church, man. It's a church that teaches Christ, that teaches the word. 
where you can get trained and equipped and encouraged and there's accountability and you have people to, to help you when you go through trouble. People that you can trust to say, hey, look, you can keep it real here. It's a safe place because we all have issues. If you don't think you have any issues, ask your spouse, <laughs> ask your neighbor. Better yet, go look in the mirror. But Jesus came to fix our broken lives. Jesus came to restore us into a healthy, vibrant relationship with him. I love that song that we closed with a while ago, Make Room. Shake up the ground of all my tradition. Shake it up, God. If it's not glorifying to you, if it's hindering my relationship with you, shake it up. Break down the walls of all my religion. Have I become so religious like the Pharisees that I'm missing the heart of God? That I'm missing the point here. The best relationships that we have are those ones that are real. Where we can be totally honest. Those relationships where people love you even when you fail. Even when you don't perform. When you get mad at them. And they don't reject you. If, and if you reject them, they're unmoved. Hey, look, I know you're mad at me. You haven't, you haven't returned my call in two weeks, but I want you to know I love you. I don't know what you're going through, but you need to get over it. <laughs> okay, whatever it is, let's talk about it. Because I care. Those are the kinds of relationships that are valuable, where we can just be ourselves. Where people love us enough to be really honest with us. And that we can invest in their lives. Because we should all have the presence of God, the Holy Spirit living in us. And he's revealing things to us. He wants us to love one another. In Matthew eleven twenty-eight, 28, Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Are you, are you carrying a burden today? Are you carrying some heavy stuff? I think there's a reason the Bible refers to us as sheep, because sheep are not load-bearing animals. We're not referred to as donkeys, although sometimes we may act like it. We may get that later. But we're not load-bearing animals. We're not supposed to carry the load. And Jesus says, come to me when you're weary and having heavy burdens that you're trying to carry. Jesus came so we could live this abundant life that we're not bogged down in all this stuff. But it requires a relationship with him. Do we trust him? Are we willing to yield to him? And the thing about faith is that as we begin to walk in faith and trust him, our faith is built. Kind of like exercising. As you exercise, those muscles are, are built up and our faith is built as we begin to walk in faith and trust him. In Matthew 23, 13 through 15, Jesus says, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? And he calls them hypocrites. This word hypocrite, hypocrite really means actor. Have you ever seen somebody that's in a play or maybe you've been in a, a play and you're acting a part? But when you come off the stage, you're not that person that you were just playing. You were just acting. And that's what Jesus is saying about many other religious leaders. They were hypocrites. They were actors. Oh, they looked the part. They may have acted the part. But the part that was missing was their heart. Their heart was not right. 
And he goes on to say, for you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You won't go in yourselves and you don't let others in either. He's saying you get so caught up in your religion and all of your laws and all of these things that you're not entering into my presence. You're not entering into the presence of God and you're not letting other people in either because you're binding them up with the same things that you're bound up with. He goes on to say, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and Pharisees? Again, he calls them hypocrites. For you cross land and sea to make one convert, and then you turn that person into twice the child of hell that you yourself are. Because you, you're bound up in the law. You're bound up in religion. You're bound up with all this stuff. And you're missing the heart about this relationship. And then you're making converts that are doing the same thing. Jesus desires a real and an authentic relationship with us that we can keep it real. There are times when I'm, I'm crying out to God. He can handle it. There are times when I'm rejoicing. I'm jumping and shouting. But we need to be intentional in developing and maintaining that relationship. Matthew 18 through 20. This is one of the final things that Jesus said before he departed to heaven. Jesus came and told his disciples, he said, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. So he could have told them anything, right? He has all authority. But this is what he says. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. A disciple of Christ is a committed follower of Christ who represents, who represents Christ in their life. I know none of us are perfect. We're all a work in progress. But are we yielding to him? Are we saying, Lord, I'm asking you to, to come into my heart, into my life. I want to make room for you because your way is better. He says, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus said, I go away. He told his disciples, he said, I'm going away. But it's best that I go away because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit who will guide you and lead you into all truth. I have a, I have a $100 bill here. Now, I could throw this on the ground. Or I could watch over it. I, I could value this $100. I could use it wisely. I could be very complacent and casual about it. But it's a value to me. But Jesus provided something that's much greater than a $100 bill. He provided something of greater value. Do I value this relationship with him? Am I sharing that? I want to do something. Heads up. I'm going to throw something out here. Okay? I'm going to, I'm going to try. All right. Huh. Are you okay? <laughs> I didn't hit anybody in the head. Huh? All right. Why don't you give it back to her? Oh, she didn't want it. Okay. All right. Well, what, what you don't know, and what he just found out 
is there's a $100 bill attached to that church. That, that $100 bill didn't come from the church. It came from my wallet. There's value. I have value for that $100. Well, it's his now. But listen, God wants to pour into our life. God blesses us so that we can be a blessing. That's his heart. That we will bless others. And so he may, he may take that, that $100 bill and put it in savings. He may take his mom out for lunch. He may give it away. I don't know. It's his to do with whatever he chooses. But the point I'm trying to make is that this relationship with the Lord is valuable. We need to grasp onto him, hang on to him, develop and maintain that relationship. But also, we have the great opportunity to share this relationship with others. There are people in your lives that have no hope, don't know where to go, don't know where to turn, yet we have the answer. So are we sharing the hope and the love of Christ? Are we demonstrating the hope and the love of Christ with others? Jesus said, go and make disciples. You notice he didn't say go big Go build big churches. He didn't even say go feed the hungry or clothe the poor or any of that. He said go and make disciples because disciples, true disciples, will do those things. He said go and make disciples of all the nations. He says baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach these new disciples all the things that I've taught you. In other words, go out and live this thing out in a manner where people will see your love for them, your love for me. Jesus said, they'll know that you're my disciples by the love that you have for one another. You say you're a Christian? Let's see it demonstrated. Are we loving him and are we loving others? As our hearts are changed, our lives will reflect it. So the three points today Keep it real. Just keep it real with Jesus. You don't have to get all religious and talk weird and all that kind of stuff. Oh, God, I've come to you today. You know, just be real with him. He can handle it. Keep it simple. It's about this relationship with him. And then my third point is keep it. Be deliberate in maintaining and keeping your connection with him, this relationship. And then go out and share it.